Hi and welcome back to today's video where we're going to be talking about the 1381 Peasants Revolt which occurred in England and what we can learn from this, what happened afterwards, what were the events that led up to this. But before we start there, I think it's important that we go back to about the year 1348, which many of you will be familiar with as the Black Plague, also known as the Black Death. Now, over the last couple of years, we've heard how COVID was the most deadly virus the world has ever seen, and you know, it killed X amount of people, etc. Well, I would say that actually the Black Death was probably one of the worst viruses the world had ever seen. In fact, if you came into contact with the Black Plague, you probably only had a 50% chance of survival. So this is why it decimated Europe and so many people died. Now, you've got to think what happened then? What happened after so many people died from that plague? Well, it was actually quite positive for those who survived because wages were higher, land was cheaper, houses were cheaper. You had a lot more opportunities because the uh, so many people died during that period, but there were still workers required. The lords of the day still needed workers. So you could demand a higher wage, although that was stopped very, very quickly. Do the government like people to do well and have lots of disposable income and better their standard of living and place in, in life? No, not really. And just like very similar to today, it was very similar back then. Whereas back then what happened was the, the government or the king of the time, shall we say, but the rulers actually levied a huge tax on the people that were had survived the plague. Nowadays, we call this inflation because remember, inflation is a monetary phenomenon. It is created in one place and one place only, and that is at the central bank. So if you're watching this from America or the UK or Europe, that would be the Federal Reserve, the Bank of England, or the ECB, the European Central Bank. This is where inflation is created via the increase in the currency supply versus the amount of goods and services that are available. So really not much has changed from back in the 1300s, because if you look at what's happening right now, people's standard of living is simply crashing very hard because of this new inflation and energy costs and food prices and everything else that is just killing their affordability to buy things. So let's move forward then to 1381, which is the most famous year for the Peasants' Revolt. Now, we use the word peasants, but they were known as serfs. It was serfdom back in those days. And people actually belong to the lord of the area, the lord of the manor, we could say. And not only that, not only did they belong to the lord and they had to ask permission to do pretty much anything, you couldn't even go elsewhere without the lord's permission. Want to get married? Again, you have to ask for the, the lord's permission. Um, what else was there? Well, people couldn't even tend to their own gardens of the day and grow their own vegetables effectively because they also had to do two days of free labor at the abbey. So this was the church of the day, the monks who ran the abbey. And before you think about the church, it's not like the church of today. Uh, the church back then was um, very different, shall we say. These were the financiers of modern day. It was the monks of uh, the time back then. 
So serfdom was indeed a very hard life for those people. It really was. Now, why didn't they rebel? Why wasn't there a tipping point? And, and what actually caused the tipping point? Well, it's not exactly what you might think. Now, at the time, and again, we're in the late 1300s here, so 1381 in particular, you had King Richard II, who was just a 14-year-old boy at the time. And just like, let's say, leaders of today, he wasn't really in charge of the country. It was other people, you know, the sort of shadow cabinet or government, shall we say, advisors who were in charge. So what the peasants noticed or the serfs noticed was that those people who were closest to the king were getting extremely wealthy. Now, let's look at an example from today. Who do we notice who are very close to, let's say, President Biden or, or Boris Johnson and people like that, who are getting extremely wealthy from politics? I mean, aren't you a, a servant of the people? How can you get so wealthy? Well, let's look at someone like the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, who is actually one of the best investors on the planet. She is known as quite probably, if we look at the statistics, she's definitely in the top 0.0001% of the best traders and investors on the planet. How is that? Or should we say her and her husband? But how is that possible? Isn't she a politician? How can she be such a good trader? Well, because she is closest to the money. She's closest to the information. So she gets the information before it goes elsewhere. So she's able to take advantage of it via her husband. So again, we see this same pattern. Nothing really has changed in 641 years, if my uh, numbers are correct there. So let's move on to what the tipping point was. And again, you've heard me talk about uh, my theories around this and tipping point theory or pleasure to pain ratio, which is how human beings and the psychology of human beings causes them to move from one scale to the other. Uh, very similar to what are you more motivated to do? Earn more money or stop someone stealing the money in your bank account? I think you know the answer. You're probably 10, 20 times more motivated to stop someone stealing all of your money than you are to go out and earn more money. So at the time then, England was in what's known as the Hundred Year War with France. So this was dragging on, it was very costly. <laughs> what's happening right now? What are we about to go into? We're about to go into this new sort of warfare, however they call it, whether it's proxy or it's guerrilla or it's, you know, traditional, conventional warfare, however this plays out, or cyber or missiles. And I mean, God help us, that's all I'll say. I don't even know how this is gonna play out. But war is extremely costly, very expensive. So you have a couple of options here. You can uh, tax the people or you can create more currency, but of course this adds to inflation, creates a lot more inflation. What are we doing at the moment? We're creating more inflation. What did they do back in the day? Because they didn't have the option of typing numbers onto a computer screen and increasing the currency supply. So what they did was they levied a tax on the serfs. Now you might say, ah, okay, Neil, got it. That was the tipping point. No, it still wasn't the tipping point. After all of these things we've talked about, that wasn't the tipping point. Actually, the tipping point came one day. And again, there's two accounts here and, and it's sort of, I guess we can say it happened together. 
Uh, number one was that the tax collectors were abusive and they were abusing the women and the daughters. So this was pretty much what pushed people over the edge, this, this physical abuse, shall we say. But because of this new tax, about a third of the population just dropped off the register because they didn't want to pay this tax, you have to understand. So what happened? The advisors sent in the tax collectors with the heavies. So these were either soldiers or some sort of militia. And they went in and they said, we're going to arrest 100 people. And this was just indiscriminate. Um, arresting 100 people, they were going to throw them into the tower, into the prison. And the conditions would have been atrocious for those people. So combined with the abuse of the women, plus what was going on with this situation, trying to arrest people, this was the straw that broke the camel's back and people revolted. The tax collector, the men, they ran off with their tail between their legs, but they actually came back the next day in greater force with weapons to enforce the new tax. But what happened yet again was they underestimated the sheer passion of the crowd and not only did they run away, but six of the king's men were beheaded as a result of the incident. Now, I don't want to spoil the entire story for you here because it is worth you maybe watching some documentaries on it or reading up on it, watching some sort of history channel on it. It's a fascinating account. But one lesson that I got from it, and very similar to the film Braveheart, if you've seen that, you can never trust these people who are behind the money and the financing because they will make a deal in order to stop but then once they bolster their sort of um, strength again this is when they go in and they take out anyone who was opposed to them so that doesn't gauge very well for people like me who are always talking about you know the lies and the deception and how they are able to steal people's money in the modern day via inflation and bank bail-ins and um, you know deliberately manipulating markets and the like. So if I ever disappear you probably know what happened to me. But uh, what happened from here on then, we'll just talk one other point, was that these riots actually spread and the people, the, the groups, the mobs, they went after the financiers, so they went after the monks and the abbeys and the tax collectors and they burned all the records. They uh, did some other things as well. They killed a lot of the, the monks and the tax collectors and they were just trying to create this clean slate. They made it all the way to London and that's what I'll tell you about the story. You can look into it more if you wanna know how all of this ends. But the reason I'm sharing that with you is because I've been talking a lot over the last year or two about how a lot of these crises that we're going into will um, converge at the end and create this major, major incident, this major crisis period, which I believe we are actually in. We're seeing it already now in the developing uh, nations, the developing countries. And you probably remember on the walks and talks that I do, I talked about all the different countries that will default on their debt. And actually, that's been extremely accurate and, and much faster than even I forecast that it would. Now, Sri Lanka was the first country I said would default. And that actually, uh, technically, they are in default now, although they're trying to get an IMF loan, etc. But I want you to pay close attention to what has been happening in Sri Lanka and in particular what happened last week because the riots actually spread, the protests spread. And as a result, their leader actually stepped down, although his brother 
resisted, but the leader actually stepped down. So this is the power of community once it gets together and has really had enough of the leadership of a country. But it did not end well for a lot of people. Uh, cars were flipped over and burned, houses were burned down. Um, the, 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 the leaders issued a shoot on sight order to the military against the protesters. So a number of people were killed hundreds of protesters were shot and or, or shot and injured. So I'm, I'm sharing this with you so you can pay uh, careful attention to these events so that you can cross-reference it because it's not just back to 1381. Uh, we could go back um, uh, lots of different periods in history, but every time you see these same sort of patterns occurring. And this is why I try and prepare you for these things because history is our best teacher even though they try and you know, do the modern day book burning and they try and destroy all this information, it is still out there. And that's why I like to buy and, and keep antique books. That's why I did those Great Depression diaries where I actually got those actual diaries that were completely different from the history books of the time. But I wanna just bring us back to Sri Lanka then. So what actually happened there uh, to cause these huge riots? Well, it's around food. And food is very, very delicate right now around the world. I personally believe that we are going to have a food crisis. I do. And I think it's going to be absolutely atrocious. I think it's going to be a famine. And when people talk about the global famine, it doesn't necessarily mean Western nations. It really means developing nations. But people in Western nations will also struggle to get food because they won't be able to afford the food at the prices they're going to be coming. Um, they'll have a choice between energy, food, or other things. And it is going to be a tough decision for a lot of people. I mean, it's disgraceful, really, when you think about it, how, you know, the amount of hundreds of billions that we spend on war and sending money to other countries and the like, and we can't even look after our own people. But anyway, that's a, a message for another day. So what actually happened with Sri Lanka and their food supply the leaders, again, this is where incompetence comes in. Government officials thinking that they know what they're doing when they don't, they should leave the decisions to experts like the farmers. They actually didn't want fertilizers. They wanted more natural, organic, whatever you want to say, but they didn't want as many fertilizers. But Sri Lanka, the way they grow crops is very different to you know, a lot of nations where there's a lot of land mass. So they are more efficient with their crop yields. So what happened then, without fertilizer, some of their yields dropped by as much as 75%. So what happens, the government says, well, now we need to make up that difference. How do you make it up? Imports. Well, aren't imports expensive? Yes, they are. They're very expensive. They also did a U-turn on the fertilizer. Okay, now we need to get this fertilizer. But it's too late. Everyone needs fertilizer. Prices are exploding. It's difficult to get hold of. There's a lot of supply chain breakdowns. So all of these things happen at the same time. And this is why I said that Sri Lanka would default on their debt simply because of the amount of food that they had to import. Now, if the IMF gives them the loan that they're asking for, I don't know how that is gonna go. I wouldn't wanna be in debt to the IMF, believe me, uh, never in a million years. But how are they even going to pay this debt to the IMF if they can't service their current foreign debts how are they going to service a debt to the IMF? It's very worrying, and I think this is going to spread. I already talked about a few countries that would default, and of the six that I mentioned, four of them have already defaulted. The fifth is very close, but we're going to see this spread. 
This is what happened in Southeast Asia back in the day. Started with one country, it spread to other countries. This is going to spread, my friends. Learn the lessons of history. I really encourage you to start looking into a lot of the history that I talk about. Some of these things you can find documentaries on, you can find books on. The more you read all of this, the better your forecast will be for the future. You won't be scratching your head. Oh, I wonder what's going to happen because you'll know from these patterns. When you've studied dozens and dozens or like me, hundreds of these things and historical events, you start to see the patterns so that then you're never surprised when these things happen because you knew months beforehand. So thank you so much for watching this video today. I really appreciate you as a subscriber. Uh, thank you so much. Take care. God bless you and your families. And I will see you very shortly with the next video.